0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Byers here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice sports news and analysis. All right, um, well, we did the defense last week, and now this week we are previewing the offense. So, diving straight into Rice football. Um, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, share it with a friend, all that helps us out. Um... But yeah, we're just going to dive right into it.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. It's uh it's football time. It's Rice football time and uh I ha- had a lot of good reception to the defensive show last week. So thanks if you listened to that. If you hadn't go go back an episode in your your player feed of choice and uh, and check that out. And you know, we got we got a quarterback battle. Are we sure we're recording this in 2021 or if we just kind of we need to do an evergreen quarterback battle post? Yeah, I mean, it's
0: just it's it's standard. The,
1: yeah, it's it's a part of the the tradition. I did talk to uh, offensive coordinator uh, coach coach Tui and uh, ask, uh, so did you? Uh, what's your kind of experience with uh, with quarterback battles at, at your previous stints? And he's like, "Well, we had one in twenty eighteen in Cal that that went up, you know, into the, into the beginning of the season and, and through a couple games." And I'm like, "Oh, great!
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's what we all want."
1: Yeah, so we'll 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 get it. I guess should we? We'll probably we should save quarterback for last, right? Yeah, I guess we'll, so. We'll come back around on that. Build up to it. Yeah, the anticipation is building. Don't skip ahead. You know you want to hear all the ins and outs of the offensive line <laughs> and everything else. But yeah, I, I'm excited. I don't think we have too many uh, other news items uh, to get to, other than oh, this is I I didn't even put this. I'm I'm scatterbrained right now. I didn't put this on the show sheet, but I did think it was worth mentioning because I was asking around with folks yet. Conference USA has not yet announced a COVID cancellation policy yet. So the first, I guess UTEP actually plays in week zero, don't they? Which will be uh, Uh, tomorrow by the time you're hearing this. yeah. Uh, So no conference games in week zero. But yeah, every other conference, just about, I think just about every other conference has said, more or less, if, if you uh, are if you were the reason for a postponement because of COVID, you are going to get a forfeit. I think is more or less the consensus around around the country.
0: Yeah. And honestly, knowing USA, though, their pol- their official policy might just be like, cross your fingers and hope it doesn't happen.
1: And then when it happens four hours after the fact, we'll say, oh, by the way, the policy was. Yeah. So I, I I I mean they usually like to follow along after everybody else has announced something, so I guess that's probably coming at some point. But as of right now I would think. Yeah, nah, I mean it's conference USA. Who knows? <laughs> so I think that's it. Offensive line?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Alright. So we have we have some so let's let's start with the good news in the kind of the I guess the silver lining from we were just talking about COVID, kind of the, the COVID cancellations and the the extra eligibility afforded last year because of those waivers. So Rice gets back uh, a lot of veteran presence, presences uh, on the offensive line. Javon Wolford at right tackle is one of them. This is going to be his seventh year in a college football program. That is which is Which is good. I, <laughs> I think that, I mean, you can't. We joke about the. I think Hunter, Hunter Renfro will forever be the guy who played college football for a hundred years. Yeah, uh, but jo, Javon Wolford has actually he's done it. Now he's a he's a yeah. Setup. I like.
0: I assume like I don't. I don't even know, how many like graduate programs does Rice offer for guys in this situation? Because like, is he just enrolled in a PhD program or what? That's a like good. Is my man working question. on his thesis?
1: <laughs> Oh, I mean, he's an Ivy League guy, so he might be just going for a yeah. doc at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's out at right tackle, uh, and then I guess I'll I'll reverse, go left tackle to right. We got Clay Servin, who's been there for a while at left tackle. Shea Baker at left guard. Isaac Klarkowski, literally the rocket scientist, speaking of smart folks, mm-hmm. at, at center. Uh, Cole Garcia at, at right guard, and then Javon Wolford at right tackle. So that is going to be... Uh, the starting five, more or less, I think Baker or Servin Baker, Clarkowski have been pretty much uh, locked in, uh, so to speak. Uh, actually, I might have got that backwards. I have, sorry, Cole Garcia. Yeah, Cole Garcia at left guard and Shea Baker at right guard. I'm trying to read right, but uh, that's probably the place that we need to start because we haven't talked about Cole Garcia on this podcast. In, Maybe it's been since a little while. Yeah. 2019, when he was a starter as a freshman. So he has kind of made a resurgence throughout fall camp and actually unseated Isaiah Floyd, who I guess took over the starting job midway through last season. Yeah. So uh, a bit of an in- interesting point there, but probably a good thing when you have some now veteran depth fighting for position they they talk about competition but i i I think that's that's probably credit of it actually happening in real life
0: yeah i mean hopefully the this much shuffling late is a sign of like actual you know competition causing growth and all that I, i feel like that's sort of unusual for a guy to lose his job to someone else and then gain it back again the next year but i mean floyd also we've talked about before is one of the like biggest strongest dudes on the team uh and i feel like it says something if if Cole's you know made such a move and and put himself in that position to actually take that job back from a guy like Floyd
1: yeah and i think it well it is interesting because i guess technically he Gar, Cole Garcia really lost his job when they had that that wave of graduate transfers uh come in in, in the 2020 right. season so he was behind uh, I guess was it Nick Leverett was playing right guard? If I'm my memory's back uh, with Go- yes. Goose on the outside, yeah. So yeah, I think that sounds right. Tampa Bay Buck Super Bowl champion Nick Leverett. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So he lost his his job to those grad guys, and then really got kind of thrown in the mix with Isaiah. So he's he's been one of those guys that the the word that was was thrown out to me was consistent. That he's been the most consistent guy. Uh, at that spot during the fall, so that's a plus. And then one other thing that I wanted to bring up that I kind of guess kind of was somewhat surprising to me, but after the first scrimmage, uh, Coach Tui mentioned that there were a couple spots on the offensive line that they were working to, to shore up. And and I knew at at you know the left guard spot with Cole and Isaiah, I knew that that had been a battle that had been going on for I guess a couple weeks at that point. But the other spot was right tackle, and we started off talking about Javon Wolford. And and he is running with the ones right now and I think probably is the the favorite to win that job. But uh, a little bit I wanted to talk a little bit about Derek Ferraro because he's a guy that's that's coming on strong and has had battled a lot of injuries throughout the past couple years and has really never gotten into a rhythm. But six, six, three or pounds and has a lot of uh, physicality and I'm not going to break down all of the ins and outs of the mm-hmm. tackle position, but he's a guy that I know the coaching staff has been really interested yeah. in and hasn't really gotten to see him on the field, and he's, he's pushing for the right tackle spot. So I know we, we just talked about the 2020 season where Rice had to literally bring in an entirely new offensive line from grad transfers, uh, which you know <laughs> this is probably not plan A. So uh, I wanted to bring out uh, Ferraro as a guy, who, who looks like he could be interesting uh, on the right side. And then one more guy, Brant Peterson, also another tackle kind of backing up Clay, Gar- uh, Clay Garcia, Clay Servan. So, you know, actually getting to the point where there is depth.
0: Yeah. Um, and the other one, uh, I think you had noted this maybe in one of your uh, camp reports, but uh there's uh, a certain freshman on campus who uh is uh quite large who seems to be what uh maybe pushing for that uh back, what do they call those like ogre packages where they bring I, I, in uh yeah, guys an extra tackle.
1: I think it's ogre but yeah, uh, folks who who were at the the second scrimmage, the, the owl fest, or, or we're reading if you're not a patron and you want to get access to practice notes to get stuff like this, patreon.com slash at the roost. You should go do that. But yeah, the guy you were alluding to, uh, I I don't know how to say his first name. And and I've asked the SID how you say his first name. And he said, uh, he's Pepe. So, <laughs> number 62, <laughs> Feenu Fe, Pepe?
0: his. His full name is listed out in the thing as. I'm sorry if I messed this up, but it's like Fa'eanuu.
1: That was but better than F-A-A-E-A-N-U-U.
0: But then on the roster, it's shortened to I I don't know. I assume everyone just calls him Pepe.
1: Yeah, so, he's he's yeah. Pepe. And I was he's actually. He's Pepe. Tui
0: is Tui. So.
1: It's easier that way. I was talking with the offensive line coach this week. And he we we were talking about how impressive because he's one of several guys. Ethan Onianwa from out in Katy is another guy that has just been turning a lot of heads. They're really excited about him uh, during during camp. But I was talking about him. You now, it's kind of it's nice that at this point where Rice is in building this roster, they don't have to throw like Cole Garcia was thrown in as a freshman and said, hey, good luck. <laughs> You're yeah. all we have uh, these these freshmen. Uh, are probably coming in, you know, physically at a at a better position maybe than some of the freshmen were a couple years ago, but Rice doesn't have to throw them in because they have guys in front of them. So at this point, it's kind of if they're ready to fill a role. And I think it's interesting in this pack this this offense where they have very different packages and and will cookie cutter guys to do special jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Coach Davis basically said at the offensive line position, if if you're like just going to go hit somebody strong with force, it's probably going to work out <laughs> more or less. I'm like, yeah, when you only need a yard, he's like, yeah, when you only need a yard, just there's Pepe. Go run behind him. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think we might see Pepe in some short yardage situations because he's probably pushing. He, what is he? He listed at three on the roster, and I don't, I don't think he's that small.
0: <laughs> so what you're saying is we have a new starting fullback.
1: I, I that how how big is is Brendan Suckley? He's two fifty two. <laughs> so six <laughs> two two fifty two. So add four inches and another hundred pounds. Yeah, may, maybe like not. a Great so, fullback to me. It would work. They, they, hey, they have thrown in a couple dual fullback packages. So it's. <laughs> What's one more at this point? But but yeah, I Pepe really excited him. Another guy I want to highlight that I don't know if we'll see much, but Braden Nutter is is running a, a, the backup center right now behind Clarkowski. Uh, dude just gets it and has a good grasp and kind of rose from from scout team to uh, third to now second string pretty pretty quickly. So the staff really likes him a lot. And yeah, there's just. There's a, a couple younger guys that that John Long been working a little bit with the second team, at, at right guard, and just lots of folks that they're pretty happy with. And I think that probably the overarching, as we kind of get past the the names and overarching kind of uh, takeaway I've had from this this camp so far regarding the offensive line is. During the first scrimmage, it was defense, 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 and it, it felt like the offensive line was was not able to get any push, and Rice scored one touchdown in, I think, 17 drives, uh, which we've seen here before <laughs> during yeah. camp because the defense is really, really good. And then during the second scrimmage, uh, I think there were, what, 14 full drives, and I think the office score, offense scored in some capacity on eight or nine of them well had at least a field goal attempt (laughs) on eight or nine of them uh, and like four or five touchdowns and the ball was just moving a lot better and i i was particularly encouraged because like we've said many times this this front seven is is no joke and and have been able to get a good amount of pressure especially against the run and this offensive line fared pretty well the last time out and so i'm i'm optimistic if you have enough enough depth and experience there that Rice is going to be able to move the football on the ground, which is, as we found out the last couple of years, kind of crucial for this offense to work.
0: Yeah. Like, obviously, they're going to do some more, like, four and five widespread out type stuff with Tui, but this is always going to be an offense that wants to move the ball on the ground and wants to kind of go right at people. Um and hopefully that, that second scrimmage is a good sign going forward. You know, this offensive line returns so much experience, um, which is never a bad thing, but, um, you know, we definitely still want them to take a step forward from where they've been in the past,
1: and... It was a nice way of saying if everyone coming back plays the same way they did last year, it's not going to be great. Right, exactly. <laughs> yep. Which I think is fair. Yeah. So getting experience back is
0: great, but you have to be able to leverage that experience to play better than you did in the past. So hopefully this is a good sign for this offensive line going forwards.
1: Yeah, I I think so. And that's kind of my, if I could, I know that we're going to talk a lot about the quarterback position, but this is honestly kind of maybe the second biggest unknown in, in the question mark I have for this offense. Uh, because I, I I I know I've seen I've seen Brad Rosner and if you didn't make it out to the the scrimmage and haven't seen I guess he he caught like one pass or something like that during the scrimmage but uh, just watching him through fall camp I just forgot how good he was and he's fantastic so like yeah. I'm I feel really good about the wide receiving core the tight ends there's so many guys who can do so many different things I, I think there's going to be whoever is a quarterback I think it's going to work out the offensive line is is just the thing where I. I, I'm 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 less certain, and I think if these guys can put it together and and have a strong showing this year, then that's going to enable this offense to do a lot. If whoever's at quarterback is not is getting hit behind the line of scrimmage yeah. and not being able to do much, we've already seen that this offense doesn't work when the lines playing poorly. So they might be just as important as any other unit on either side of the ball. Honestly.
0: Yeah, no, honestly, I think that might be maybe my single biggest X factor for the entire team, honestly. Like, we know the defense is going to be good. We know there's talent at the skill positions on offense. Um, If at quarterback, you're either going to have a guy as fast as Luke McCaffrey or you're going to have Wiley Green having such a mastery of the offense that that puts him ahead of a guy as fast as Luke McCaffrey. So I kind of feel good about a lot of things on this team, but whether or not the offensive line can play well enough that the offense can really function is maybe my single biggest question,
1: which is going to make it interesting. And and we're not going to talk a lot about Arkansas. We'll get there next week because that's spoiler alert. First game coming around the corner. But that's something that I think is interesting with Arkansas because their front seven, especially their pass rush, was not particularly good last year and didn't do terribly a lot to improve it. So it's still going to be SEC caliber talent coming against them in the first week, but maybe not from a you know a pure pass rush perspective, maybe as, as, as fearsome as it, as it could have been opening up against an SEC opponent. So it'll be a good test, but it might not be impossible.
0: Yeah, no, I think if they have maybe a better than expected performance against Arkansas and don't look just like totally overmatched, that could be a really good sign moving into conference play.
1: Yep, and they will... I feel pretty good about them, and then we go jump back to who they're blocking for.
0: Yeah, so the running backs. um, Interesting collection of guys here. We got um, Kalen Griffin, who kind of burst onto the scene last year as a true freshman. Um, you have Ari Roussard, who I feel like I remember mostly talking about before the 2019 season because he was such a great story in the spring when they basically had no bodies, and so they put him, you know, a former walk-on linebacker, at running back, and he ran great and then hasn't seen a whole lot of time until last season um, but seems to be actually pushing into the rotation. Um, you have Jordan Myers, who scored Bryce's only rushing touchdown last year. And still, maybe might move back and forth to tight end. We'll see. Um, and then Juma, for whom the question is always just, is he healthy? Is he healthy? Is he healthy?
1: Yeah, J- Juma's the scout team back right now. No, wild.
0: Whoa, that.
1: I mean, that he's is... yeah. he's gonna play a little bit, but if you're if we're going down the depth chart, and you kind of laid it out, but. I think that Jordan Myers is the starting running back, and he's actually been getting a good amount of run, maybe more than I expected. I kind of, when they announced he was moving to running back, I kind of thought it was going to be a a very hybrid role, and he he has been split out a little bit. He has lined up as like like an H-back of sorts and kind of moved uh, in front of the formation, but... He's done a lot of just actual running, Uh, but I think what's interesting, I talked about roles earlier in this offense. He is going to be, he's probably going to start most of the games, but he's going to be the short yardage guy that when Rice needs one or two yards, they've already been running the, they've run, ran the jumbo package where they have the the diamond with the two fullbacks and the the running back Mm -hmm. dotted up top. I think they ran that probably three or four times in the second scrimmage. So it it's definitely coming back. He'll be the goal line guy because they trust him uh, a lot. I think Kalen Griffin right. actually had another fumble on a goal line session during the second scrimmage, uh, which is a bummer because if he can hang on to the football, dude is a bruiser. So uh, I think you'll see, you'll see probably uh, Myers get the lead. Kalen is probably, I would guess, going to get most of the carries as far as like a like a, you know, quote unquote, pell cow kind of guy. He's the kind of guy I see running on first and second downs a lot and and carrying most of the load, you know, it, it definitely between the 20s. And then something you mentioned already, Bruce Broussard, I think this is interesting. He has gotten a lot of run with, you know, the first and the second team. So I think he's going to see some reps. But where he's really stood out is on third down. He has kind of found a niche Mm -hmm. as the third down back. I think they trust him when it comes to pass protection and they trust his hands because I I think that's something that that Kalen is as good as he is. That hasn't really been something that he showcased yet. And Jordan, they can use him out of the backfield, but why not just line him up? anywhere like you you don't need to put him there if you're going to use him as a pass catcher so i think we'll see some some third down ari broussard and i really do think that they're going to cookie cutter up how they use the different running back room or how they use the running back room
0: yeah and it's interesting because you definitely want like it's good to have so many different skill sets within that group like you don't necessarily want to become too predictable with the roles, so that it's like, oh, if they put in our Roussard, like, it's going to be a pass or something like that, but, um, you know, especially you have a guy like Jordan who, if you actually commit to using him somewhat regularly as a running back, then that leads, leads to really interesting things, because you can, like, you know, go into two-back sets and have him, like, motion out or move back in or stuff like that, and if you actually if they actually have to respect that he could be like a runner or a receiver or a blocker then that kind of makes the defense you know puts them in a bad situation um so having that overlap that various skill sets to put these guys right. in a lot of different roles helps
1: yeah i think that's going to be good and the other the other guy i wanted to mention is cam montgomery who we haven't talked about in I guess all of last season because he, he missed it with an injury. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a guy that can hit a home run. And you just watch him streaking down the sidelines in practice, and you're like, okay, uh, he has not slowed down. So, and he <laughs> played a little bit in, I think he would have been the tw- beginning of the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. And he too had some fumble issues. And I think he fumbled and he ended up getting benched for maybe a while until he ended up getting hurt. But I, I don't think you're going to see Cam get like eight touches a game, but I think you might see him get two. And I think they might just trust him to – I I remember him, that working him and, and Zane Knipe a couple years ago, spending 45 minutes at practice just running that sweep. So maybe it's something like that. So I think you'll see him going across the field and, and trying to keep the defense honest. And then, yeah, we have, we haven't touched on Juma really, but yeah, he's been the scout team guy, and man, he can be dynamic when he's healthy. He just yeah. hasn't been able to stay healthy, so we'll see. I think if we've seen anything from Rice over the past couple of seasons, you know, twenty twenty, they only played five games, but this has been a a running back by committee uh, under Bloomgren since he's gotten here, and so and maybe it's been because they haven't really had. A guy, maybe you know, Emmanuel Suka was maybe the closest they had to that, but he had some injuries too. So we'll see kind of how it splits up. But I really do think you're probably going to see those five will probably be the guys who travel. And I would not be surprised if all of them get action this year in some form or fashion.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, should we cover fullbacks while we're on running backs?
1: Yeah, we sh- we have to devote an entire segment per audience requirements on fullbacks, <laughs> and
0: uh, I... I was just saying it, it looks like Brendan Suckley has, has sort of reclaimed his job.
1: Yeah, Brendan Suckley is back. He missed all of the twenty twenty season with injuries, and he got back on the field for practice at the end of. Well, I guess midway through to the end of the season, whenever the dates were with the cancellations, <laughs> it's, it all runs together. And I kept thinking, "Are we going to see him? Are we going to see him?" We never saw him, but now we see him, and he's back. So uh, he and and Brian Hibbert um, have been doing w- when they're pulling out those two fullback sets. We've seen both of those in there. Jerry Johnson has been involved a little bit too. So it's they got a couple guys there, and you know, if if anything else you know, if something fails and they need to pull out the emergency emergency button, we have Pepe. <laughs> Which yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, I I think it's interesting that we we've seen the fullbacks get a good amount of use and something that I've kind of been watching and trying not to read too much into because it's it's fall camp is Rice brought in a new offensive coordinator and they, they gave him a good amount of leeway with how the offense is is going to run within the scheme. And something that he's kind of brought with him is, is the just more empty packages. They are, there's a lot more comfort level without having any blockers in. If you're an empty, you have five wide outs and you have no running backs and obviously no full backs. And I think Rice did a little bit last year and the year prior with just running like a traditional I-form with a fullback. And I think maybe outside of those short yardage and and goal line maybe situations, I think we might see a little bit less fullback this year uh, than in years past. Please don't shoot the messenger. And that could just be, (laughs) you know, how they're prepping – in camp but that that might be my guess especially if you have all those running backs and you have a lot of healthy wide receivers to mix around
0: yeah i mean it's nice to like you know if you have a fullback who can do some different things and is a good blocker and you know can maybe catch the ball once in a while that's fine but like also if you're trying to open up your passing game a little bit more like rice is like at some point, you know, you can say like, oh, you know, you can get better matchups because, you know, you'll like the defense will like put more linebackers on the field and stuff. And that's fine. But also like you're putting a less dynamic offensive player on the field when you sub out a wide receiver for a fullback. So
1: and especially uh, when you have Jordan Myers with whatever position he plays, Jordan Myers yeah. is to line up at fullback a lot this year.
0: Yeah. So. We still love fullbacks, but. Probably okay. the
1: number one fullback podcast in Conference USA. <laughs> I haven't touched base. Is UTEP going to use any fullbacks this year? We probably should have asked.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. wasn't on the top of my my brain. We, I
0: apologize. We failed at our fullback tracking duties. We did. Next year. <laughs> uh, so wide receivers. Um, There's a lot, man. Yeah, thank your lucky stars and whatever Whatever you choose to pray to uh that Brad Rosner is back and looks better than ever, maybe
1: yeah grab your rabbit's foot or anything whatever keeps to on the field i I was standing in the in the end zone at a practice the other day, well, not in the end zone, obviously off to the side of the end zone, and I was having a conversation with somebody on staff, and you just hear you have this when you're watching a football practice and you hear uh." and everyone just kind of looks up to make sure you're not about to get beamed in the face with the football, uh, which I, I was at that point. Uh, so I, I took a step back, and then you just see Brad Rosner just sky up and just pluck the ball. I tr- I don't even remember who it was, and maybe it probably doesn't matter, but just go up and over some guy and, and grab the ball and come, come down in the corner of the end zone. And I was just like, oh. He's good, and that's something that Rice, like Jake Bailey is a lot of things, but he's not going to go climb the ladder and and pick the ball up over somebody. And that's fine because he does a lot of other things really, really well. But, yeah, having Brad Rosner back is going to do so much for this offense. And then one more guy that I've seen looking really, really good and making plays downfield has been August Pete. And he, I think he caught one pass last year. Uh, before getting injured yeah he had the one one play a three yard touchdown catch i think was his only reception of 2020 yeah Yeah. and then uh, ended up getting hurt in the middle tennessee game missing the rest of the season so both of those two guys are back and you know it's it's camp every year where everyone's in the best shape of their life and looks the best but august pete has been one of those guys that i'm like okay you you really look like you belong and you are comfortable which is really good he's, he's kind of filling it out as a more well-rounded receiver and not a jump ball guy which which is huge to to be able to move him around in this offense
0: right yeah because he's clearly got the athleticism and like the pop to to make an impact as a wide receiver for this team and this conference and for him to be one healthy and two putting that all together to be a more complete player is a huge thing um obviously in terms of depth they have uh trey patterson the Graduate transfer brought in from New Mexico, and he's a—he's uh, definitely got some speed. Um, and so does the other uh, notable depth piece here, uh, Andrew Mason. So uh, hopefully, this will be a year where Rice has more than like one or two receivers catch a decent amount of passes. Uh, obviously, you know what you have in Rosner and Bailey, and August Pete has been like a starter before. Um, but hopefully at this point you have the kind of the mixture of depth and talent and development that this becomes a more kind of complete unit that has uh, really, you know, more than just two threats. The defense has to respect.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And and just that, that we kind of felt that way last year. We just didn't get to see him, which was kind of unfortunate. And then one more guy that I want to throw out in the mix is, is CJ McCord, Miles McCord's older brother transferred from Yale. And missed last season. He's been doing a lot of work with the twos and looks really, really consistent. He is, you know, 6'1", 174, but he kind of plays bigger than that to some degree. And he's proven to be a good, reliable guy that they can slot in uh, just on that outside and do a couple of things. So I think at, at this point, we the the route tree, the the route tree, at least the the distribution of the passing game and those targets has been very very narrow the past couple of years it's basically been jordan myers brad rosner and austin trammell who have had passes thrown their way in the past three years <laughs> like a couple other guys yeah and in, then but and then
0: jake bailey at the end of last year when everyone else was hurt
1: right and that's been it but this year they're they, when when they're running through scrimmage and they they kind of went with a modified you know one and a half team where they gave guys like Pete and Rosner, they ran him like I think 20, 25 plays and then got the other guys in. And so we've seen a lot of Andrew Mason, a lot of Keith or CJ McCord and, and said Patterson. I asked him, Cedric, are, are you Cedric? Are you Trey? Are you said? Who are you? And he's like, well, my birth certificate says Cedric. I'm the third. So my mom calls me Trey. Some people call me said. And I'm like that that doesn't help me at all. What what do I call you? So, but nice guy. So yeah, and he he made a lot of plays actually in the spring game, a couple downfield stuff, and he's proven to be a pretty good target. So you you'll see the first three with Pete Rosner and Bailey, but I think we're going to see, uh, you know, every so often a combination of those other three guys, which they're pretty excited about. And then we haven't even mentioned Zaynipe, who is hurt again, but (laughs) back Uh. back uh. hopefully has been at practice and, and not up to full participation yet, but someday we will get to see Zane Naip healthy and running blistering 40s past the defense. That would be nice. So they like that. And then uh, let's see, one more guy that I, so two guys actually um, that I think are interesting. Let's start with uh, Reed Westervelt. Who was a walk on and is we're probably not going to see much this year. That's that's fine. Uh, but I just this is we talk a little bit about the recruiting jump that we've seen from Rice. Uh, this guy caught 31 touchdowns, uh, last season and just like was uncoverable at at big A, 5A Texas football and. Yeah. This guy is a dude. He's made a couple really, really big plays. It in, has and has a practice. name that sounds
0: like a fancy nineteen twenties hotel in New York.
1: Yeah. That that's gotta be good, right? <laughs> but yeah, I he's he's been a guy that's been really fun to watch and I'm excited about whenever we get to see a little bit more of him. And then Jaden Fulmer is kind of a guy who can who can line up at a couple different spots. Another freshman who has really had an impressive Uh, fall camp and it's, it's particularly notable when these these younger guys are having the big camps because especially how deep the wide receiver room is right now for folks to go out of their way and say hey by the way have you noticed this guy or for those guys to flash when they do get reps you know maybe with the twos or occasionally the ones is is nice so the fact that we can talk about who might be seventh or eighth on the depth chart at wide receiver and maybe probably not play them much is is a good thing especially with where we were last season so lots of depth there and that's pretty exciting
0: yeah hopefully we'll actually get to see it all this year um moving on moving on to the tight ends i guess
1: yeah lots of them and i guess (laughs) so jordan myers is the the in-between but i i don't think we haven't really seen him line up too much during camp as a true like inline tight end Uh, yeah i'm I'm racking my brain right now and i actually i can't really think of many scenarios at at all where they've done that he's been basically either in the backfield or split so I, i don't think we're going to see him primarily there and i think that's kind of because of the guys that they already have behind him so jack bradley is going to be the starter at that position and he was one of a handful of freshmen that that started all of his games when he was a, a true freshman, which is a, a feather in his cap. And he was is probably one of the more reliable blockers on the team. They they like his presence in the running game. But he did, I think he had, like, what, one or two? He had a touchdown catch against Middle Tennessee at yeah. the beginning of that game last year. And we got all excited. And then I don't know if he caught a pass for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, he's
0: 6'5", 258. And... Um, obviously that helps a lot as a blocker, but anytime you see a guy with that kind of size, like galloping up the seam and catching it to like, I remember that play like vivid, like watching him catch that. And I was like, Oh, are we going to get is Jack Bradley receiving threat? Like uh, going to be a thing now because a guy that size that you can rely on in the passing game is absurd.
1: I would love is- it. that is
0: serious, like NFL tight end size. Um, So and like you said, we never really saw it again for the rest of the year. But I I have such a vivid memory of him streaking up the seam on that one play and being like, oh, oh, is this going to happen now? And maybe this year it will. Um, But that would be a huge that would be massive.
1: Yeah, we'll see. And he has he has caught more than two passes during the. The totality of fall <laughs> camp, so that's that's been a plus. But no, we we have seen him a lot, and he has been out there, so I think he's going to be active to some degree. I I don't know how much he's going to be used as a pass catcher, and I think that really comes down to kind of again segmenting and how the roles are going to play on this offense because the other guys behind him. So I Jagger Bull again, he's another one of those blockers. Uh, he's going to do a lot of a lot of the special teams. Going to be pretty much on every special teams unit probably uh, this year, and then he's going to be a lot of a lot involved in the run game. We will see him catch go out for passes a little bit, but he's kind of going to be in that mold. Uh, the two guys that I want to point out at tight ends there are going to be Robert French, who we've seen a couple a little bit over the last couple years. He's a, a pretty pretty reliable pass catcher and somebody that can go up and get there but some guy who and if you hadn't picked up your season preview yet I'm going to plug that here uh, you should there's still a lot in there and I went through and picked a X factor at every single position and this was when I put it together this was July it got released so I which doesn't feel like long ago I mean it's August but that feels like forever ago at the same time but yeah I I when I was putting that together I put Nate Camper as my my sleeper if you will at the tight end position and i am here to report that he was taking some reps with the first team this week so i'm not i'm not saying that Nate Camper starting tight end but mm-hmm. when you come to this is a guy who basically played he was listed as a tight end but played glorified slot receiver in high school right. at 6'6" 220 and I think he came in lighter than that. So they've been bulking him up. But he is just a giraffe gazelle in the open field and can move. So I, I think as he develops, that's what I'm really interested to see. Because if you can start running some two tight end sets where you have Nate Camper um, outside of, of Jack Bradley, you know, with Jake My- or Jake Myers, uh, Jordan Myers in the backfield split out, that that would be fun. I would be for that. Yeah, and throw
0: Brad out there at wide receiver, and you're looking at the like tall boy, tall boys
1: only receiving lineup. There you go. They need like a like a what do you call it? one of those uh, line line changes like in hockey, the cone heads. There you go.
0: They have to. They can put out the fast guys lineup and the tall guys lineup.
1: Yeah, that would be fun. This is now we're going basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go small, go big. Run them in and out there. Yeah, I'd be for that. But I and and, and I am excited to see the tight ends as pass catchers. But at, for this offense, it's really going to be their their presence blocking for for in the passing game and then controlling on controlling the line of scrimmage in the trenches for running. That's going to be kind of their most essential function in this offense. And I think a huge part of that is the the options they have at wide receiver. And you know, great. Granted, Nate Camper was a, a true freshman last year when Rice had no wide receivers available, so he was <laughs> kind of getting up to speed. But the tight ends, you know, even Jordan Myers were were not as targeted um, as much when they had no pass catchers left, well, no wide receivers left. It was it was Jake Bailey and Andrew Mason who basically were the guys who got you know funneled targets. So yeah. I don't I don't expect. And especially when you're bringing in maybe a little bit more quarterback mobile options and some some read option kind of things, I I don't anticipate that increasing the activity with the tight ends in the passing game.
0: Yeah, even if you're throwing a little bit more this year than you have in years past, like one, especially if we're about to transition to the quarterbacks, um, especially if McCaffrey is the starter, like with as much speed as he has. You're probably going to have a lot of plays where, like, you don't have a check down. The check down is that he runs the ball. So there aren't going to be a lot of, like... Like, last year, there were times, and when, especially when they were getting more injured, that the offense became like, what if we just made the whole plane out of swing passes to Jordan Myers? And... uh <laughs>
1: I uh, not just what if. I think that that actually was the plan. Yeah, they did. No, that's what they did.
0: <laughs> um so between, you know, increase in depth at wide receiver probably accounting for most of your increase in in passes generally and then some of that getting funneled into the quarterback run game, like this offense just doesn't throw the ball enough for the tight ends to get a lot of targets. So um, the blocking will always be the biggest thing for them. But if you can have just one of those guys, like Bradley or French or Camper, um, step up as a reliable receiving target to kind of create mismatches because of how big they are, um, then that just adds another element the defense has to account for.
1: Yeah, you give Nate Camper another ten pounds, and just good luck, linebacker, <laughs> trying to cover him. That'd be fun. Yeah. And that, I guess that brings us to we don't have a drum roll sound effect, do we? Quarterback. Yeah. Um, So. I guess I'll, I'll kind of set the stage for how we got here and then and then we will kind of get into the, the nuts and bolts. So obviously, Luke McCaffrey uh, arrived on campus in, I guess, June. So he's been here for roughly two months and has been working vigorously, you know, with his teammates to learn the offense before he could get onto the field, doing all the whiteboarding and whatnot. And and then he's gotten on the campus. And so, as has been noted multiple times on this podcast and the Roost website, he is probably, from a recruiting's ranking standpoint, one of the most talented athletes that has ever played or i guess as soon as he takes a snap officially will we'll become one of the most talented guys who ever played at rice and when you watch him run in particularly you you can see that this dude is can cut and go and pick up yards in a hurry and i think we'll get to some of the on-field stuff in a second but i think that is the draw for him obviously he does not know because he's been here for two months the offense to the same level that a Wiley Green does, who is now entering his four hundredth year
0: at Rice.
1: <laughs> no, I think I guess did he he start some in twenty eighteen? Is that right? Yeah. I mean so, so this yeah. is his
0: fourth year on campus. He is still technically a redshirt sophomore.
1: Yeah, he he told me the other day, he's like, I'm the old guy, but I'm not the old guy.
0: I was like, that's
1: <laughs> That's about right. He's now he knows this offense legitimately. He's been here longer than some of the coaches, so he he knows the the X's and O's down pat. And so this has kind of set up a battle throughout fall camp, which has been kind of trying to discern the difference between what the better option is. Do you want the guy who knows the offense, you know, with his eyes shut or the guy who might not know it as well, but can. Do athletic things uh, through the air and on the ground uh, when it comes to moving the football, and that's kind of set us up to where we are now. And we are, you know, roughly a week away from the Arkansas game, and no starter has been named. <laughs> so basically, everything Gee, that is how we got familiar. here. Yeah, this is. Uh, we said this last year and the year before. Fourth verse,
0: same as the first,
1: and we we laugh, but I I think there's two. There's a couple nuances here that I think are worth discussion, discussing. One is, I think, from an athletic standpoint, obviously McCaffrey's the most talented transfer quarterback that has arrived. He does not have the arm that Mike Collins does. did. Uh, I guess he still has the arm, he's just not using it to play football. Um, I did see him the other day. He has two arms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
0: Good to, good to know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is the danger of leaving this till the end of the podcast. Glad but yeah, still so
0: had his arms. Okay.
1: Yeah, and and I will testify. I have seen McCaffrey, you know, put up forty yard lasers to the end zone, just fine. And then yeah, in this I don't offense,
0: think the arm is lacking.
1: Yeah, he he might not have a a cannon, but it is more than enough to move the ball in college football. So there th- there's the talent perspective. And then I think the difference with this guy is Rice hasn't brought in a transfer that can do this much with his legs. I think we've seen what we've seen, what Giovanni can do. And he was even, he, he, his first action in, in college football was being brought in for a couple plays What was that UTSA, maybe Mm in 2019, just to run the football and a Marshall at home in 2019, also using his legs primarily. Uh, And so we've seen that and that, As you know, when Giovanni came in, he actually the offense fared better. And I remember we went through a lot of the numbers behind this. The offense moved better with him in that dual threat option than it did uh, with with Wiley or whoever, Uh, whoever else at that point. Uh, Tom Stewart. Yeah. So and I think it's interesting. And I guess the, the question that the coaching staff now has to wrestle with is, do they go with the guy? And this is where I where I land. If if both guys can move the ball well and and execute the offense well enough, uh, I think I lean towards the guy who can rip off a sixty-yard touchdown with his legs.
0: Uh, yeah, I think you like you go with the, you go with the guy with game-breaking ability. Like, if Wiley's going to lead this team to success, it's going to be entirely within the structure of the offense, and that's fine, but. If McCaffrey can operate it capably enough and also just has the speed to make game breaking plays because he is so much faster than 90 percent of USA defenders, then I think you go with the guy who can break the
1: game. And something that I was most curious about watching him during camp is because you you see the highlight film of him and it's him running the football. And kind of my fear with him coming in was, is this a running back playing quarterback? Is this a guy who's right. going to take the snap and then the second some hand gets in his face, just go? And through three weeks of fall camp, which you know it isn't the end all be all, but I don't I don't think he is. I think he's a quarterback that that can run when he gets pressure. Uh, from what I've seen, he uses that as an opportunity to move to get out of the pocket, to roll and get move into space. Where he can look downfield, I, I, I've seen they've ha- had to have some conversations with some of the wide receivers of teaching a scramble drill of, hey, what do you do when he's just out and your routes <laughs> done, which we haven't had to do at Rice in the past couple seasons. So I, I think that's that's very very important. Is that I don't think you're limiting eventually what the offense can do, and and the, then the question becomes this: if he's the the more the superior option when it comes to you know, maybe game-breaking ability. And you think back to Wiley, we go back to 2018. He was basic, he was the scout team quarterback when the season began, like fourth or mm-hmm. fifth on the depth yeah. chart and ended I up because... I
0: remember seeing a friend at uh, a Rice game early in the year and and things were not going well at quarterback. And I made some joke about, ha-ha, well, I guess we can burn Wiley Green's red shirt. And... Uh, yeah. Oh, they didn't enough, because that was the first year of the four game red shirt I think, but he played.
1: Yeah, no, he and Juma were on scout team to begin the year. And of course, Juma ended the season rushing for what was it 224 yards or something like that. Something like that yeah. Yeah, something crazy. So, but I think you really saw Wiley's development challenged because he in he was not ready in 2018 and i i don't think you could make an argument he wasn't ready in 2019 when it came to the decision making and i think maybe where wiley could have been if you redshirted him two seasons and let him learn behind guys who knew what they were doing to a better degree than he did at that time and brought him in as a junior I, I i really do the coaching staff would not have allowed this to drag to the end of fall camp if they really didn't honestly believe that wiley believed he, that Wiley was capable and should be in this battle. And so I think that is the maybe the caution that maybe there is with with McCaffrey because I think everybody realizes that he could be special. Like truly special when it comes to great Rice quarterbacks. And there's a fear that if we throw this kid in against, you know, throw him out against Arkansas and Texas and rush him in before he's ready do we sacrifice or do we kind of reset the the clock on his development where if we give him six months or you know three months to really get into the offense and understand everything when he's ready you know does that enable his ceiling to be realized at a, at a greater, greater likelihood and maybe that's too hypothetical but that's kind of how I've kind of spun the narrative to myself that this debate is ongoing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, when he came in, they said all the right stuff about like, oh, we're not just handing him the job. You know, he's got to compete for it. We're giving him a chance to compete for the job. Um, At the same time, though, you don't bring in a transfer like that without expecting that he will be the guy at some point. So One, I think it says some positive things for Wiley that he's made this a competition for so long. Um, And also, like the thing with him, it wasn't even because even two years ago in 2019, his second year on campus, he was probably not ready to play just in terms of like on field decision making. But the debate was the same, right? It was okay, well, Tom Stewart maybe has more talent, but Wiley you know knows the offense better. like he knew the offense better even then he was he was already the guy who knew the offense the best back then. but then this year, maybe at this point he's been he's been here long enough that he's got the combination of um both the scheme knowledge, which is probably better than anyone's at this point. And the like maturity and, um, you know, amount of some on-field experience and also just all of the reps and practice that he can actually combine that scheme knowledge with the like in-game savvy to be really effective, even though he's not like, you know, even though it all has to be kind of within structure, right?
1: Right. And I think if, if McCaffrey had appeared on campus in 2019, I don't think this would have been much of a discussion. I think he would have yeah. been the starter out of the gate. And 2020 would have been interesting pitting him against Mike Collins. I I, I would bet the staff go with the veteran guy and, and let Mike have it at least to start out. Um because he had one year left, right, at that time. Yeah. So but but this year I think it's interesting. And I think it's it's notable that it's become a battle. And I don't think Wiley from my eyes hasn't done anything at all to lose the job. Um, there hasn't been you know those the big decision uh, moments that kind of <laughs> are colored rice fans when they think of wiley green i think are colored a lot by uh, that interception against utsa uh, mm-hmm. that that really cost them the game and a, a couple like has had some fumble issues whenever he's gotten hit really the past right. couple of years so but i i don't it's hard to see if he's gotten completely over that when he's not playing, you know, against live bullets. But uh, yeah, he's better than he one, was. It's one thing to not be fumbling in scrimmages.
0: Um, it's another to uh, to actually be at that level when the lights are on.
1: Yeah, and it'll be interesting because if you are the coaching staff, if you start Wiley Green against Arkansas and it goes well, then okay, then you can you're you're holding out you're holding luke in in waiting and and until he's ready you know quote unquote and if it doesn't go well then you pull the plug and say hey we gave wiley as as fair of a shot as we could let's let's bring in luke and roll the dice but if you bring in luke against arkansas you start him rather against arkansas and it doesn't go well then i think the situation becomes a bit more tense because i Mm -hmm. think it's Going signing the coveted transfer quarterback and then going backward, not backwards, but going back to the guy who was already here, I think that would raise a lot more questions. And I hope, I hope we don't get there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I think it's one thing to say, you know, McCaffrey needs a little more time. We don't want to throw him out there against SEC defensive lines and stuff like that that's fine it's another if you put him out there and it's just an absolute disaster
1: yeah and i think we've seen this or you staff you're
0: sorry you put wiley wiley out there right that's
1: yeah and we've seen the staff now several years use multiple quarterbacks like Javonni johnson came in as primarily a running quarterback when you had another starter already there uh, you had parker towns running wildcat at tiger stadium <laughs> against lsu i'm I don't think, I think, I think he attempted one pass, maybe, or complete, maybe he was completed one and attempted, I think he was like one for four in his college career or something like that. He was, he was a running quarterback. So we've seen the staff do that a lot. I haven't had the sense that they've started to install any kind of package like that, but, but we'll see I, this from the staff's history. I wouldn't be shocked to see both of them play. Yeah. Uh, especially early on in the season, I don't know if that's what I necessarily want. But if if Wiley can hold his own against if Wiley starts and holds his own against Arkansas and, and gets through Houston and Texas, or even if he doesn't, it, nobody's going to be it, like people are going to be calling for McCaffrey until he's in there. Like that's yeah. that's the reality, and it it sucks for Wiley because he's he's a he's a fantastic individual and. Most people in his position, I'm not going to get on my soapbox here, but quarterbacks that get benched three times don't usually stick around, and yeah. that's kind of what's happened to Wiley. So the the cojones that he's had to stick around <laughs> and battle and be in a competition against the blue chip quarterback who <laughs> coach, you know, his best friends, well, good friends with his family, <laughs> the the transfers like. He's had the deck stacked against him several times, and he keeps showing up. So, you know, if he gets the guy, I'm I wish him the best for sure. But yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not going to be surprised if we get to Texas Southern, and it's like, hey, uh, Luke's job now, or we're going to see. Yeah, Well you know? My they... goodness, Luke McCaffrey against Texas Southern. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Woo>! that almost <laughs> seems mean. We should be more neighborly. <laughs> that almost seems mean. It probably would be. Uh yeah but yeah that's that's where we are i I so Wiley is still getting the first rep with the ones, but they're splitting it pretty evenly throughout basically every session so far i if I had to put a number on it, I would still probably lean sixty percent chance that McCaffrey starts, and that might just be my own hopefulness that <laughs> the staff chooses him and not a sixty percent belief that the staff is going to pick McCaffrey out of the gate. I if you ask me who's gonna be the starter by game twelve, I would I would say ninety five percent chance yeah. of McCaffrey. Yeah. I, I don't know about Arkansas. Which I I got one more week. The Arkansas podcast is next week. (laughs) Literally took words out of my
0: mouth. I was about to say, at least we don't have that much longer to wait.
1: So we'll find out. And, you know, hopefully, well, I don't know. We got a quarterback battle until we don't, I guess. (laughs) But I think that's the offense. Uh, I know that at the end of fall camp, just kind of to wrap this up every year, you know, at we're very optimistic and this could be the year that things really come together. But if maybe I turn to the question around, what are they missing? That's going to stop them from getting there. Like, I know we feel pretty good about them doing it, but what's, what's going to prevent that from happening?
0: I mean, I guess like the one big question I have, like I said, is does the offensive line start to kind of play with more consistency? And then the other thing I could see that could cause them to be worse is if um, the combination of losing... uh, My mind just went totally blank. Um, uh, The combination of losing blank and... Blank? Wow. Words. Blaze, Blaze Aldridge into Braylon Carroll, is that you just lose... That's like too much disruption to lose at once, and they don't take another step forward with like the pass rush, and so you end up with a defense that is good but not disruptive. It doesn't force a lot of turnovers, doesn't get a lot of big plays and sacks and stuff, and an offense that is still glitchy at best um, because they they can't they're not consistently blocking people and. Um, I don't know, McCaffrey doesn't quite grasp the offense, and um, Wiley remains steady, but uh, uninspiring. Um, That is sort of the worst-case scenario I see for this team. Um, But all of those things I don't think is terribly likely. So, yeah,
1: I I think that's fair, and and I think especially you know knock on wood, as long as they stay healthy. I mean, last year they they were able to score one offensive touchdown and beat Marshall. That that's probably not going to get it done against most of their opponents yeah, no. this year. One offensive touchdown, but you were also on your umpteenth string, everybody. So I I think yeah,
0: I mean that offense they trotted out against Marshall was a shell of what it should have been. Like it was just decimated at every skill position basically. And yeah. assuming health, there's no reason to think that it shouldn't be much more like it was against Middle Tennessee and Southern Miss last year.
1: Yeah, and I I think the what what is coming to me is kind of my my concern is that I feel like whoever they pick at quarterback, and you know maybe it is Wiley for four games, Luke for eight, or however they split it, uh, I, I'm worried about chunking things up and going back and forth. And I think what I've seen from this offense so far throughout fall camp, is when they get in a rhythm, and we saw it during the second scrimmage, they can just go and they can put up points and move the ball and have explosive plays. That's been huge. I I don't want to see, and I think it could kill the momentum that they can generate if we're going back and forth switching quarterbacks every other series. And yeah. that's happened before. And this staff has has gone kind of used in game training. <laughs> we we had Jackson Tyner get like Two series in the middle of a game in like the second quarter, and then that was it for basically his his Rice career. We we can go down. How many uh quarterbacks that Austin Trammell say he got a pass from? Is it ten? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So that that's the only thing that I really think can get in the way of this offense is is extending the the quarterback carousel too far. Uh, I think either guy at this point can get enough done, and I would like to just see one. And I yeah. I have a preference for who I think that's going to be, but even if it's not not him, then you know we've seen enough from Wiley that if he can hold on to the wall and protect the football uh, this offense can be good enough if you have a defense that good, so that's my concern. Yeah.
0: I think you either need to go like McCaffrey all the way or Wiley. With like McCaffrey coming in for like basically wildcat plays the way they've sometimes used um, Giovanni before, like when they were doing well at the end of the 2019 season and he came in and was effective running those plays. But you've got to have if you're going to use both of them for the offense to play well, it has to be very defined roles in specific situations. It cannot be a Steve Spurrier yanking every quarterback Yanking your quarterback every other series just because you're irritated and don't like how he's playing.
1: Yeah, and I don't get that read from Tui so far, but who knows? We'll find out. And not not that long from now, we'll find out, which is nice that after however many months yeah. of I guess we've only had McCaffrey to to think about for like two and a half months now. So Um We will that I guess that wraps up our offense. We'll close out on our Uh, what's more likely to happen game i I, as we did last week i've put together five hypothetical questions uh, for carter and you have not been prepped on any of these and i'm going to try i'm trying to make it as difficult as possible to choose between (laughs) that's the goal so we will start off the top with the quarterbacks because that's what we just talked about i'm not going to ask you pick a starter because we just had that discussion but what's more likely to happen three quarterbacks Start at least one game for rice this season, or only one quarterback starts every single game for rice this year. What's more um,
0: likely? I think I'm gonna go only one because uh I think three implies uh, like obviously the single most likely scenario is two in which is
1: right, which probably is probably why I put, it, put it on, on there. there. yeah, yeah exactly
0: yeah. um <laughs> but I think there is a not um. Like, not that small of a likelihood. Like, a, a fairly decent likelihood that McCaffrey wins the job in the next week or so and plays well enough that he just holds on to it. Um,
1: three I, is I, kind I of I a, di- a disaster. Too,
0: but... Yeah, three is kind of a disaster. That means you've had two injuries, right? Basically. Um, or
1: you had one, the other guy got benched for not being effective. and Yeah. Uh, One more. I, I don't know. The thing is, I think if we go back and I think three quarterbacks have started who started, last year it was Mike and then Giovanni. Did Wy, no Wiley just came in Wiley as a backup. As yeah. So two starters star. last year in five games. But I think Rice has had three starting quarterbacks at least in each of the two prior seasons. Yes. So what is that? Two point two and two thirds is the average going into the year. <laughs> oh please make it stop okay next question what's more likely to happen rice has a top three rushing offense in conference usa or rice has a top five passing offense in conference usa
0: hmm i think you probably have to go passing offense here because i think there's just more competition In terms of rushing off, especially if you're going to give me top three versus top five, I mean, like, sincere McCormick exists, right? (laughs) (laughs) He
1: he does still exist. This is correct.
0: So there are a lot of good, really good running backs still in CUSA. Um, So obviously you could. It's like it's very easy to see the scenario where, like, I don't know, Kalen resolves the fumbling issues and McCaffrey is just running wild over everyone so i could absolutely see um a top three rushing offense um i just think in terms of the number of quality running backs in this conference there are more of them and but like does it scare
1: you at all that the rice averaged uh, 175 and 166 passing yards In twenty per game in 2018 and 2019, and that was 13th and 14th in Conference USA, respectively. They did bump up to 7th last year, but only averaged 210, which is not a ton.
0: I mean, I'm just... uh, I'm going to, like, choose hope here and say (laughs) that Rice, like, (laughs) remains relatively healthy at wide receiver and quarterback, because, I mean, that's like... Like, what would they have ranked at passing offense if Mike Collins and Austin Trammell... He'd like just awesome. Just Second. Give the they awesome would have been strength. behind
1: North Texas, I think. Yeah,
0: and that's it. And obviously McCaffrey it doesn't have that kind of arm, but like as we've discussed, like it's fair. I like I've watched his tape and been like, oh, you know, he's not that natural of a passer. But then he has the highest career completion percentage of any returning quarterback. In there you go.
1: I, I, that is that is the the Roosh Pod stat, and I am preaching it to the heavens. Yeah.
0: So, like, what what CUSA passing offenses are guaranteed to be top five? Western Kentucky.
1: Uh, yeah, that. Western Kentucky, I'd probably put North Texas up there still. Yeah. Um, yeah, that might that, that, This is a fair point. I, FAU? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I like, FAU is probably a solid bet, but, like, I don't know. Tech, I wouldn't be too shocked. Because
1: they can't run. <clears throat>
0: Yeah. So that's
1: this is fair. Okay.
0: Between just like McCaffrey's overall talent and maybe like ability to create when things break down, like I could easily see him. If I getting, put
1: top three in both, would that change your mind?
0: Yeah, I'd probably go rushing yeah, there. But right. top five gives him the leeway, I think.
1: Okay. So going into kind of specific players on the next one, what's more likely to happen? Kalen Griffin rushes for one thousand yards. Or, Bradley Rosner scores 10 touchdowns.
0: My initial instinct was like, oh, Rosner, but like, even in 2019, he had like those three touchdowns in one game. And were those his only receiving touchdowns? No, I think he
1: had five in twenty. Five.
0: That's right. Okay.
1: Yeah, he had a couple others scattered in there. Uh but that year Aston Walter in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen that was scored ten touchdowns. Okay. Um, so that that was the I and I'm I'm looking back now. That was the high of any single offensive player non quarterback under Mike Blumgren. That's awesome. Because right. Aust- Austin Walter only scored six in twenty eighteen. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, ooh, this one is tough. I think I'm going to go Rosner, just because I feel like he's going to get a lot of, like, downfield jump ball targets. And especially because, like, I don't know, I just think the passing game is going to be more consistent overall, and he is going to be, like, the go-to guy, and they're going to look for him a lot, and...
1: Yeah, my my rationale would be I just don't think anybody's going to get that large of a share of the running game. Yeah, so,
0: especially, um, especially like the sooner McCaffrey takes over the quarterback job, you're going to see like the rushing yards aren't going to be all binned with one particular player.
1: Right. I mean, you got to go back to uh, Charles Ross in 2013 was yeah. the last Rice running back to rush for a thousand yards. Uh, of course, that, that came in 14 games because you had conference championship and, and bowl game. Um, right. But, or sorry, 20, did I say 2014? 2013. Correcting mm. if I misspoke there. But yeah, uh, you got to go. There's a, a couple guys who had um, a lot of rushing touchdowns, but you got to keep scrolling back. The last guy who had 10 receiving touchdowns, you probably got to go back. I, off the top of my head, I'd probably see Jared Dillard would probably. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, 2008 was probably Rice's last great passing offense. So I would be shocked if there was anyone since then who had scored 10, 10 receiving touchdowns.
1: No, I've I, been kind of scrolling back as we've spoken, and we're we're not there. Not even close. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that would be it. So, yeah. i, I trying to think how but, many
0: Jordan Taylor might have had in a single season. Yeah, James, but it have been. James
1: Casey in 2008 and Jarrett Dillard. Jarrett had 20. James had 13. Jeez. So, um, yeah, nobody Jordan has Taylor, gotten 10 since then. Jordan
0: Taylor in, in 2013 and 2014 had 8 and 7. I yeah. would be surprised if anyone's gotten closer than that
1: besides him. Nope. So, uh, both probably... If either of those things happen, man, this offense is cooking. Alright. So, going on, now we're going back specifically to the passing game. So, We talked earlier about how it's been a narrow passing tree the past couple seasons so far under Mike Bloomgren. So what do you think is more likely to happen? Uh, You have six different pass catchers who catch at least 20 passes, or you have three pass catchers that catch 50 or more passes. Mm. They've had a lot of seasons with two guys. Yeah. Get right above that number. Three would be... A jump. I would I don't so think would either spreading of it's, it up to it's six. It's very
0: likely. I think it's more likely that you have like two guys with like fifty plus and then I don't know, a Four lot with of guys. eighteen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm getting I'm have yeah. get, I've been doing this. I'm getting pretty good at these lines, I think. <laughs>
0: um I would go with the six with twenty just because if there's a third guy that gets fifty plus, I have no idea who that is.
1: I I don't either.
0: So, I, it, I don't think it's terribly likely that six with twenty happens. But
1: I mean, because I think I' pretty pr- pretty confident that that Jake Bailey and Brad Rosner are going to be the two guys who go yes. over fifty, and then I, I August like, Pete and, and Jordan Patterson Meyer will could both probably finish get with like 20. forty five.
0: Yeah, yeah a lot,
1: But hey, if you play 14 games, <laughs> just say yeah. math
0: gets easier. Just win the conference um, you and, you know, you have more opportunities.
1: Speaking of winning the conference, I'm going to close out on this. So last question for our game. Uh, what's more likely to happen? Rice goes undefeated in Conference USA for the purposes of this question. We'll just say regular season or Rice upsets one of Arkansas or Texas. One big win, or eight consecutive conference wins?
0: I think I would go... If Arkansas were later in the year, I might, I would say, the upset. Because, just in general, it is a whole lot harder to win eight games than it is to win one. I don't really care who the opponent. This, this are. is
1: good. This is this is Rice podcast We've got to have math in there.
0: Yeah, I like just when you start doing the math, even if you have like an eighty percent chance to win each of those games, the moment you start multiplying that out, the odds go down very rapidly. Right, but since Arkansas is the first game of the year, and because like the scenario in which Rice goes undefeated in the conference is. Um, Luke McCaffrey looks incredible, and they just... The defense is what it has been the past couple years, and then on offense, they just... He runs for, like, 150-plus yards a game, and they just destroy everyone. And obviously, that to that degree is not super likely, but with Arkansas being the first game of the year... I think the likelihood of them pulling that upset with him not quite being up to speed
1: on the offense right now is fairly low. See, I, I, I actually, I, I swing in completely the opposite direction. I think because the Arkansas game is so early in the year and this so is the think one Arkansas po- could be like the cheer. Well, n- less that, I think you just have the complete element of surprise that yeah, you, that's fair. the, the rice offense with Luke McCaffrey we believe and it probably is not unrational a thought is going to look different and more dynamic than any offense that Bloomgren has field, fielded so far in his four years so the film that you're looking at yeah you can go look at a couple designed runs by by Giovanni but I it's it's going to be a lot different when you throw, when you have a guy and if you watch the scrimmage you saw during the red zone sessions, was not afraid to challenge deep, and he had a couple really good reads on deep posts and hit them. So I I think the element of surprise factor, because when when you're when you're playing a team that has the talent gap of a you know an SEC team or a, a you know a Texas earlier in the season, like you need turnovers and you need big plays, like you just need to have enough difference making events that shorten that talent gap. And I think just the unfamiliarity would give Rice a better shot in a one-shot moment at the beginning of the season than if they're playing Arkansas in week eight, where there's six games of film of McCaffrey uh, and what have you. I, I think that, that uh, you need the most amount of variability you can get. And I think the start of the season would be that.
0: I would, yeah, I, I think you may have convinced me that I, I probably should have paid attention to my own math there. But, <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. The, the 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 element of surprise part of it is not what I had thought about enough. And if I don't know something like a light goes on for McCaffrey in the next week or so, or if I don't know he just really is that fast and Arkansas isn't quite prepared for it, then because I think. People are overestimating Arkansas a little bit. Like they were a feel-good story last year, and obviously, every, all of them seem to really like playing for Sam Pittman. And
1: they're well, they were the they were the anti-UTSA. UTSA was the feel-good story and played a lot of close games and won most of them. Arkansas played a, a lot of close games except against Alabama and and lost <laughs> most of them. Yeah, so.
0: But, like, I also still don't think Arkansas was very good last year. And I don't think there's any reason to think that they're actually going to be considerably better this
1: year. So this is not like... Fun fact that we'll drop, I'll I'll reiterate next week, uh, Arkansas has a a two-game losing streak to Conference USA. (laughs) Which is anytime you can say two-game losing streak to Conference USA and that team you're talking about plays in the SEC... Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, shame on you. Shame
0: on your cow. Shame on all of your ancestors. We'll see, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think that wraps us up for the offense. We uh, are officially on to game week. Always. always I really am excited. Close, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, same. I am so ready for football. Um, But yeah, we'll be back next week previewing Arkansas. So look forward to that. Look forward to the game. Uh, We're finally there, y'all. We made it. Rise fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.